0: Let me add uh, my welcome on. Uh, My name is Eric Hoffman. I'm the campus pastor here at Fellowship Franklin, and there's lots of faces I don't know uh, and familiar with, so glad to have family, extended family in town as well. Um, I have uh, probably one of the most important announcements I've ever made at Fellowship. It's about family movie night in the movie that we're going to be showing. Um, It is frozen. Uh, So... uh, i i'm giddy right now i'm like trying to like hold it back i could sing ballads to you right now uh put it in your calendar january 16th uh we're gonna have that. It's a tough transition from what tim just did i know but i, I couldn't i couldn't keep it in uh, i told rob i needed to be the first one to do it there may or may not be staff dressing up as characters and singing i'm, I'm pushing for it i'm pushing for it um So anyway, January 16th, uh, put in your calendar, and I I just want to apologize to Luke, Uh, you had to have a beard uh, to be able to speak up here, so I'm sorry that we didn't get the memo to you, but uh, so January 16th, great, this is, uh, uh, so we're going to be at Frozen, Uh, just so you know, Melissa, for Valentine's Day last year, got me the sing-along version, and so when we do family movie night at our house, our our kids go, are we going to watch your favorite movie, Dad, Frozen, so... I'm totally, I'm totally confident standing up here and in, in, in publicly telling you all this. Um, I may know all of the, all of the words. So uh, th- this is a great, also a great time for us as just a family of faith to be a family. Even if you don't have kids, come and enjoy uh, the time. Uh, neighbors that you've been talking to, building a relationship with, this would be a great time to bring them, uh, encourage you to do that as well. Well, this morning, uh, we're still in December, still in Christmas. We're actually still celebrating Christmas at our house. We have family coming in, and so we're brought to still open presents. So if I say Merry Christmas to you, it's, just, it's still where I am. So that's, uh, this is kind of where I am. Uh, recently, I, I just got this new app, and it's a news app. And when I updated my phone, it, it allowed me to, to do uh, these news stories, and I can like pub- I can like, select which kind of news stories I want. And so I was on there the other day, and I was scrolling through, and the first... 10 or 12 stories were all just tragedies and just sadness and just the brokenness of our world. And just coincidence, it happened that the next four or five uh, news stories I was scrolling through and articles were on how the politicians are going to fix all of the problems that I just read. And two things became really uh, evident and clear as we're talking about peace is that our world is not how it one day will be that there is a deep brokenness in our world. And then the second was true is that no matter who claims or programs are not going to fix the brokenness in our world. It's far deeper than that. And so in this season, you know, if you, if you go back to our Abraham series, in Abraham, we continue to go back to this idea that Abraham had the reality that he had no children, but yet the promise of God was what? that he would have a multitude of children, that all the world would be blessed through his, his offspring. So you have the reality and the promise not matching up. For many of you, you are walking through this season or maybe in the last couple months where you are feeling that same, same way. You're feeling your reality is not matching up to the future hope promise that we sang about that one day Jesus will will come again and we will be resurrected like him. That's our future hope that all will be restored and renewed, but your reality doesn't match that. And there's this gap, there's this valley that you may be experiencing, this sadness. And so for us, how do we walk into that? How do we mourn that, that gap, that reality? And then how do we experience peace in the midst of that? That's what I want to talk about this morning. But I think it'd be helpful for you to, to hear this, this story and kind of uh, equate it to what we're going to be going with today. Um, it was uh, probably 10 years ago now um, that my grandfather was, was passing away. This was when I was living in Michigan. And he uh, was in a, a care facility, and it got to the point where hospice had to come in the last couple weeks of his life. And I remember going, and uh, in, in, it was on my way home from work, to stop by my grandpa and just and see him and sit by his bedside and hold his hand and talk to him. And in the last couple days, if you've, if you've had a relative or something that happens, there, there's just a, uh, a, a, rea- a reality that happens where they just look like a shell. There's not much activity. Well, with my grandfather, it was actually quite different. Uh, the last three days of his life, there was an agitation that he experienced there was this uh, restlessness. He was always constantly itching. Uh, he was not at peace. Like He, w- he was restless. And the, I remember specifically the hospice nurse asked me, she said, is there anyone in his life that he's unreconciled with, that he's not at peace with? And she says she sees it all the time where they call it uh, death agitation, where there's someone who uh, they're not at peace with, and, and that's, that's what they're wrestling with. They want to be reconciled with that person, or at least see that person one more time before they would pass. And it was my Uncle Gary. My Uncle Gary, he only lived a couple hundred yards from my grandfather, but they were not at peace. They were, in, uh, they were just, uh, didn't talk, they, it wasn't civil. Uh, many Christmases we'd ask, is he coming down? It's only, uh, You can see his house, and like, that's like the brokenness in their relationship. And I remember the day my mom uh, called him and and talked to him, and he said, yeah, sure, I'll come. And they had a a time. I don't know what was said or any of those things, but they had a time together, and within four hours, my grandfather passed. Now, Melissa worked in, in hospice in Tuscaloosa, and she could tell you stories of that same type of thing happening, where this agitation would happen that you're not at peace. So one of the things I want you to do this morning is Is there any place in your life where you're feeling that agitation? Where you're not at peace? Where you feel the gap between current reality and future hope? Maybe it's with family members. Maybe you're celebrating a Christmas and a loved one was not there. And it's different. There's a a loss. There's something to be mourned in that. Maybe there's something that's happening in your life. Maybe you... Uh, had somebody tell you something that altered the foundation of your life, like you lost a job or uh, an illness or something is unreconciled. Where in your life are you experiencing agitation where all is not at peace? I want to walk you through that this morning of of how do, we, how do we experience peace that's beyond just circumstances, beyond just anything like that, because that's not what the Bible talks. When we talk about peace, we usually talk about it in this way, that peace is the absence of something. Like, I'll be at peace when this project is done, when my family leaves my house, when, uh, you know, when we, when we finally get to this place, or when this is gone, or when this circumstance is removed from our life, then I'll experience peace. But that's not how the scriptures talk about peace. Peace is not talked about moment by moment or circumstances. It's talked about something much deeper than that. And this deeper part of what peace is, is foreign to most of us. So that's why we want to walk through this. What does peace look like? For true peace is not the absence of something. For a moment it is the presence of something more. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew one eighteen through 19? Matthew 1, 18. We're actually going to go through 23, but we're going to do it in two little sections this morning. You may have read this um, around your Christmas tree or from Luke 2, uh, very similar um, in the telling. Matthew 1, 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph... Before they came together she was found to be with child by the holy spirit and Joseph her husband being a righteous man was not wanting to disgrace her but to send her away secretly so here you have um Joseph in this unbelievable position i mean can you imagine being engaged i mean it's it's they're they're practically married at this point like they it's it's going to happen your plans, you're planning to spend your life with this person. And then Mary comes in with this news, and she says, what? I'm pregnant. And Joseph's like, well, the kid is, is not mine. So you, you can imagine the, the confusion, uh, the disappointment, uh, the restlessness, the anger, the frustration that, that Joseph is feeling in this. I mean, can you feel that uh, this is a man not at peace. His circumstances is, is totally changed in this one minute. I mean, this is, this is something where he probably feels embarrassed. I mean, now he has to tell his family, he has to tell his friends. There's this angst in Joseph's soul. He was not at peace. But the text says that Joseph was a righteous man. So Joseph lived in a way that he tried to honor God and do what is right and follow God rightly. He was a righteous man, but he was not at peace. So the first principle that I want to pull out from this is that righteousness does not guarantee peacefulness. Just because we do all the right things does not guarantee that we will experience perfect peace, absence of conflict. We certainly know this to be true about Jesus. Think about Jesus' life. Jesus was fully God, fully man, lived perfectly, was fully righteous. He is our righteousness. But yet, you think about his life. How many times was Jesus talking in the synagogues and, and teaching, and then there's people over in the corner trying to do what? Plot to kill him. I mean, can you imagine the environment that Jesus is constantly around? It's not what we would describe as peaceful. Jesus, his it, life ends in suffering and pain and and hurt. And so you think about this, and it, how we think about peace in this way, no matter how many times you go to church or how much you give or how much you read the Bible or how much you pray, how much you do any of those things will not guarantee peace. One of my concerns in the church today is that this self-righteous, moralistic approach to life is kind of, in the vein of our churches. It's in the vein of us, if we're we're completely honest. It's this, it's believing that a good moral life will lead to a happy, healthy life. It's believing that if I do A plus B, it's going to equal C. So this is how we know that we're living in this grid, this framework. When I do A, and then I do B, and then God's gonna sh- needs to do His part C, and it doesn't turn out the way that I thought it would. What ends up happening? I get resentful, I'm disappointed. But who am I disappointed in? God, because I did my part right, but God is not doing His part. I remember thinking this way uh, when I was in when I was in college. I read this book with some friends. It's called "I Kiss Dating Goodbye." It's an awful book. Don't, don't ever do it. Um, but uh, in, the, in it, it was kind of God's, uh, God's way to dating, God's way to doing this. And I remember, you know, doing all the right things and being really, I mean, really looking back, how self-righteous I was with all my friends, right? We're doing it right and all my friends are not doing it right and all this kind of stuff. And then, uh, you know, I, I get married and what was my expectation in marriage? I did all the right things the right way, God's way, Right. And now marriage is going to be like blissful, no conflict. And so I remember like, you know, it's in like our first month. It was probably sooner than that, first couple of weeks. <laughs> and, and and this conflict happens and it's, it's not going the way that I think it should. What, where, where where did I go? I went to anger. God, I did my part, but you're not living up to your end of the deal. If we're honest, that kind of vein kind of travels in a lot of us. I mean, if we grew up in that type of church where you do these certain things, then God is pleased with you. Or you, if you don't do these things, God is displeased with you. It's all based on what you do or don't do. And so in that, it's kind of this grid. It leads, it leads me and it leads us to be disappointed and resentful and tired. Because we try to control our lives. We try to control the outcome of our lives. So godly righteousness does not guarantee peace. And the truth of it is, self-righteousness takes us from the very thing we need, which is the grace of God. If you look at verse 20, let's pick up again in this story. But when Joseph had considered this, when he considered uh, calling it off, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. So we have an explanation by the angel of what's happening, that Mary has not been unfaithful to you, but it's through the Holy Spirit. You have a directive by the angel for Joseph to marry uh, her. And then you have another directive that you shall call his name Jesus. And then a reference to Isaiah, the prophet, who uh, said that this child shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. So if you Take what Isaiah's words, actually Isaiah 7, 14, 8, 10, and 9, 6, kind of combined together. But I want us to turn to Isaiah 9, 6. So hold your spot in Matthew, turn to Isaiah 9, 6. And this is a prophecy that Isaiah uh, had given from God about the Messiah, the future coming Messiah, this chosen one that would come. And it says this in Isaiah 9, 6. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. First part of verse 7, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. So when we read this, How will Jesus bring this peace? How will the Messiah, the anointed one, bring this peace that that will not end, but it will continue to grow? How will he do that? Flip back to Matthew 1.21. This is how Jesus will bring peace. Shall bear a son, you shall call his name Jesus, which is God with us, for he will save his people from their sins. So how is Jesus going to bring peace he is going to save us from our sins. And so when Joseph is hearing this, he is probably not only hearing the words of Isaiah spoken, but he's also picking up other prophecies that were given in the Old Testament, like Psalm 130. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is loving kindness, and with him is abundant redemption. And he, the Lord, will redeem Israel from all sins. You want to know peace? You have to know the person of Jesus. Peace is a person. Peace is God with us. Peace is the one who saves. So the principle here is, peace is not the absence of something, but the presence of someone. It's not the absence of something, it's the presence of someone. It's not the absence of struggle or illness or hardship. It's not a certain amount of money in the bank account. It's not whether you get the raise. It's not whether this person thinks of you in this certain way. It's not whether your kids are o- obeying perfectly. It's not, it's not any of those things externally. It is found in the person of Jesus. The good news of Jesus is not the absence of suffering, But because Jesus has come to be one of us, to live the perfect life that we could not live, to pay the debt that we owed as rebellious people, we can be reconciled to God. The gospel, in a nutshell, is that we get God. That we get God. That he lives in us and he is with us. That we do not walk through this life alone, but we are known, we are his, we are accepted. We are loved. We are his children because of what Jesus has done. That is the good news. So when we strive to control life, to find peace outside of the person of Jesus, it will constantly lead to us wanting more, to us being agitated, to us being tired. Barry Jones, in his book, Jewel, says this, God does not stand at a distance merely watching the suffering of his creatures, And the brokenness of his world. Instead, he enters into it. Isn't that what we celebrate at Christmas? That God entered into the world's story, our story, into that brokenness, and he takes on the suffering. In the incarnation of Jesus, God made his dwelling among us as the ultimate means of accomplishing his mission to rescue and renew his good but broken creation. Jesus did not come into the brokenness of this world just to secure salvation beyond it. He also offers a profound model for how he longs for people to live in the midst of the broken world. He presents a model of how to dwell with God in and for the world. So it sounds pretty like a Sunday school answer to say, hey, well, how do you experience peace? Jesus, right? So how do we make this a little bit more specific for us. That's what I want to do in the next moments. How do we actually take this to where we can take this from uh, this place, and when we experience the agitation, when we experience that unrest, how do we experience the person of Jesus, his peace? So Jesus, when he is talking with his disciples, uh, before he dies, before he goes to the cross, uh, you can imagine that in those times, in that moment, he is going to say to his disciples before he goes, he's not going to see him again, he's going to say the most important thing. That's what we would do with, with our kids or, or our loved ones. If we know that we are going to leave and we are, going to, we are going to die, we would actually say the most important things that we want them to know, for them to remember. And so Jesus in John 16, 33 is talking to his disciples and he says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In me you may have peace. Because in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Peace is found in him. It's not so encouraging to to hear Jesus' words that we will have trouble, we will have struggle, we will have harm and conflict, but it cannot take your peace. The song we just sang, there is no death, no life, no angels, no demons, no power, no struggles. Nothing can separate us from his love. What is being offered here is not a quick fix. It's not a, hey, do these one, two, three steps and you're going to experience peace. That's not... What we're offering, that's not what Jesus is is talking about. How do we experience it? It is only by trusting in the Prince of Peace, the person of Jesus, believing in him, that we experience it. Peace is not something we strive for and and try to earn. It is something that can only be received. That is the gospel. The good news of Jesus is that we cannot do enough to earn him. We could not make our way to God. We could not, we can only receive the gift of grace. Grace is undeserved, but because of what Jesus has done, we become reconciled to God. Peace is not the absence of trouble. It is the presence of the one who has already overcome the world. Romans 15 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. In believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Here's what I want to convey to you, brothers and sisters. It is not by the power of your hands that you can believe and have joy and peace. It is by God's power within you that you can believe what is beyond your circumstance that you may abound in hope. The Holy Spirit will empower you to believe. Just like Lloyd said last week, he said this, we cannot earn true joy, it can only be received. It is his grace given to us that we receive. Peace likewise can only be received from the one who is our peace. It is in resting in his presence that we tangibly experience peace. So this morning, there's... A couple of ways we could do this, but one of the things that I want to do is I want to guide you through what would it look like for you to experience the presence of Jesus this morning, to receive the person of Jesus this morning. I want to take you through a guided prayer. I'm going to have Blair come up and play underneath, but I want you to, if you have a pen or paper or your phone, I want you to take a note because I want this to be what you're guided through. I want you to think back through what is the thing that You are experiencing the agitation of the reality, but not yet the hope. There's the the place, the gap between those where we're experiencing uh, the sadness of this world, the brokenness of this world. Where is that for you this morning? Where are you experiencing this loss? Something to be mourned. Something the way that it is not how it should be. I want you to take that. I'm going to give you a minute to think through that. Because that's what I want to guide you through, taking that circumstance and pointing to beyond your circumstance to the person of Jesus. Where do you need peace? Where do you need to invite God into the midst of your circumstance? Would you pray with me? You can close your eyes if that's how you uh, best would concentrate. I want to guide us through a series of questions this morning. start with this. Where do you try and find peace other than Christ? Could look like for you, could be striving to control your life. Could also look like running. Trying to numb the pain. Detaching. It could be in trying to fill your life with comforts, trying to make sure you have just the right amount in the bank account or trying to win someone's approval. It could look like you striving in those areas. but it could also look like you hiding. This morning, what would an honest prayer to God look like? God sees you. He knows you. Would you rest in that this morning? That you are seen by God. That He knows your pain, He knows your struggle. So instead of hiding, we step into his grace. Do you think through the ways of how you have been trying to find peace outside of Christ? How will those things that you run to for peace outside of Christ fall short? How are they bankrupt, not able to deliver true peace? They will fail. You will be wanting for more. Even if you are delivered from that circumstance, there will be another. Do you take this time to confess the ways that you look for peace outside of Christ? Would you turn and ask God to help you by the Holy Spirit to trust Him and believe in Him? I want you to picture yourself holding whatever the burden or whatever the agitation looks like. Would you hold it and you can picture it as a a rock or something heavy that you're carrying on a path. And I want you to picture Jesus standing in front of you with his arms open and he says these words to you. Come to me. Then he says, Your name. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Where do you feel like your life is not easy and your burden is not light and you are carrying this and you are heavy laden and tired? Would you just acknowledge that before Jesus? He invites you in into his embrace. And he whispers, I see your pain. I mourn with you. Would we turn back from confession to his grace to be able, empowered by him at work within us to be able to say, my heart will sing no other name. Jesus, I'm running to your arms because the riches of your love, there is nothing that compares. So we rest in your embrace. Do you pray in your own words that you'd be able to experience God's grace to receive Christ this morning, to rest in him. Father, we pray not that our circumstances would change, but God, we pray for that as well. But we pray that we would trust you even in our circumstances in the gap between our reality and our future hope. Would you help us acknowledge the loss, what needs to be mourned? God, you are inviting us in to know you deeper this morning. Father, we are so grateful that we celebrate this season that you came for us, that you loved us, that you know us. This isn't some abstract thought, God, that you would make it so present to us. Because peace is found in you, Jesus. We rest in that this morning.